Hello everybody and welcome back once again to Goonies World. I am Meanie, also known as Ryan, also known as Mean sometimes. Um, and joining me as always, Johnny Faro, also known as Sean. Hi there, how are you? And Goonie, also known as Colin. Hello. And uh, if I, I believe this is going to be the uh, finale for the... Uh, Traveler. So my yeah, Australian, my Australian character still hasn't said the c word. So that's good. We were a c wordless traveler game. I was going to say it if you weren't going to say it. But by the end <laughs> of this session, if you don't say it, I'm going to let it, let it out. And of course, by the c word, we mean classic. In classic traveler, we're playing Little Black Books from the 1981 box Traveler. And in our last two games, our heroes, Christopher, a former merchant captain, and Ted, a former marine captain, have teamed up to make a fortune out here in the Spinward Marches using the far trader ship Achilles' Heel. And on the high-tech world of Rylanor, after a barroom brawl with a vengeful Varger, Christopher and Ted met an anonymous girl they believed to be a member of the nobility. She hired them to pick up a cargo on the cold planet Kagena and deliver it to Chipotle, which is another planet. And all they knew is that the cargo was something that would help the natives. And on the way out of Rylanor, our travelers noticed that their patron was being followed by men in blue who took note of the Achilles heel leaving port. And so they then made the jump to the icy world of Kagina, and there they helped a hiver called Mean Gene get out of incarceration. They fought an ice worm and realized they were carrying a cargo of light assault guns and 20-millimeter high-explosive rounds. So you have instructions to proceed to Camarne Town on Chipotle, where you're to find someone called Divix Jones and deliver a password, which I believe you wrote down. And all the all that you have to go on regarding Divix Jones is that he can't walk and travels in a special suit. That's what the Hiver told you. The Hiver being quite alien and maybe not the best judge of how people look. But if you can do that and make the sale for the weapons, then you can return to Rylanor your anonymous patron and complete your mission and get your millions. I just want to point out that only Chris knows that the cargo is guns and ammunition or whatever because he did some snooping and I just wanted to pretend that it was the medical supplies. So I don't know what it actually is yet, unless you've told me. I, I did not, and... Uh I think Chris is the kind of guy to just let you keep your delusions um, because he thinks that, you know, you'll feel better about it. If he, t- he, think he feels like he's afraid if he tells you what it is that you might try to sabotage the deal. So I, I mean, pro- probably not, but you might get cold feet or something. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can let, uh, you can, you can let Ted live in blissful ignorance of the true nature of his mission but Chipotle, of course, you've got to get there first. It's two parsecs away to Corward, so it's well within the jump capabilities of the Achilles heel. So whoever's going to navigate their way there, which would be the person with the navigate skill, probably, you know, roll eight or higher to charge the course without a mishap. And uh, you take a modifier of plus two, since uh, both of you have high enough intelligence, and then add any navigation levels you might have. So... 2d6 plus 2 plus navigation beaten 8 um I have a navigation of 2 I don't know if 
I think that's going to be the thing to go with. Okay. Yes, I, I have pilot uh, as opposed to navigation. Yeah, okay. And I, I couldn't remember my who was... Who. Oh, well, I rolled a 10, so that's well, already good enough. Well, that's great, because after a boring week in jump space, and, uh, you know, I assume you guys <laughs> fill the hours as best you can, but, you know, you, sp- you feel like when you're traveling, you spend most of your time, like, in these jump weeks where there's not a lot going on, so... Some people do self-improvement. Others take correspondence courses, you know. I think but, Ted uh, would do something pretty, like, annoying or something. You know, he'd be like a annoying roommate doing, like, something, uh, maybe practicing an instrument that he's not very good at <laughs> over and over <laughs> and over. How many times are you going to play Love Me Tender on that damn saxophone? <laughs> I've almost got it. Yeah, one week later, he's not quite got it, but but he's getting agonizingly closer to it. But it's been a successful jump, and you do come out okay in the Chipotle system. And you see Chipotle below you. It's a lovely, mostly blue world. It's about 80% water. And your records show, though, it has a pretty high law level, which means they're probably not even going to enjoy the open display of weapons, let alone, you know, cargoes of them coming in. It's got a nuclear technology, meaning it's pre-stellar and somewhat below the Imperial Standard, but its starport facilities are good. And your sensors show there's several small traders here, but they also show a 400-ton patrol cruiser and a massive 800-ton mercenary cruiser, which indicates some kind of military action. You guys have the background to know. Some kind of military action somewhere on Chipotle. And these mercenary companies are huge. I mean, they're small private armies, dukes, and corporations, you know, hire them for months and years at a time to deal with situations. I think Chris had a premonition that there might be something wrong politically on Chipotle. I think he asked something about that when he looked at the guns and seeing that big mercenary cruise, which looks like a fat old Death Star. It's not as big as a Death Star, but it's roughly spherical, but it's got these four great big awkward looking stumpy legs, even though it's just floating out here in space. It's something to look out for. And uh, just about under only one astronomical unit away, you can see this huge red-orange gas giant. I mean, it looks like a great big star from here, but still. And you can even see rings around it. This is this immense ring system, so you can see it from the naked eye this far away. Um, so that'd be a great place to refuel on the way out. And, of course, you can see the supergiant star Deneb, as you can everywhere in this part of the galaxy. But uh, your ship's radio crackles really before you can talk or do much else. It's got four trader registration KK011X5A. Maintain course vector for Chipotle down starboard. Sending beacon. And uh, they send in a radio beacon. Now you have a choice. You can follow the beacon down to the starport, which is the legal requirement. Or you can try to land some other way. Camarne Town, I should point out, is not the starport. Um, it'll be elsewhere, you know, on the planet. So that's your legal way that you would always do it. That's the way you do it when you're making a perfectly legal and above-board sale. They don't always, even on a high-law-level world, they don't always check customs unless you give them a reason to. But um, and sometimes they do make random checks of your cargo. But... 
it's 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 a bit of a risk but it's also a risk to go down there without riding their radio beacon down so you guys have a a decision to make well i guess you better follow the law we're not we're not uh doing anything we shouldn't be doing have nothing to hide isn't that right yeah that's right ted i was just take just taking this medicine to the uh people who need it yeah okay so chris would you like to go ahead and lock onto that radio beacon and follow it to your potway down starport i shall all right and they refer to down starports and up starports, and sometimes they have both, but it literally means whether it's on the surface of the world or in some orbital space station or whatever. So you're going down. <clears throat> and uh, it's a routine landing, so there's no need to r- make a piloting roll or anything for something like this. You're not being chased. You're not trying to plunge into the atmosphere at an unsafe speed. And so with a wary eye on the <laughs> military traffic in the region... You guys go down into the atmosphere and ride the beacon to the largest city on Chipotle, which is also called Chipotle. You're re- required to land here, you know, for cargo declaration and all that stuff. And uh, for what it's worth, you also know from your history that bribery can often avoid unpleasantness sometimes, especially on high law-level worlds. Um, but the the world below you, once you get down through the atmosphere and you can see detail, it looks like a planet-wide Caribbean sea. It's this beautiful crystal blue waters surrounding small islands. And, and of course, there's the darker blue of the deep ocean, ocean uh, stretching off to all the horizons you can see. And huge flocks of birds are everywhere. And as you get closer to the starport, you can see it covers most of one small island in an archipelago and it's partially obscured in this lazy cloud of haze that's all around it uh, it's a lot of industrial haze it's smog they're polluting the shit out of this place is what they're doing but there are lots of boats and air raft traffic and there are massive installations like out on the water that you realize are hydroponic farming facilities and these are what's belching all the waste gases where all the, the haze comes from and uh, this is a Class B facility, according to your records, so you can actually purchase fuel here if you want to. You can get repairs made here. They can do everything here, pretty much except build ships. And you're directed uh, to a cluster of concrete lily pad-like platforms built out onto the water. They're all connected with bridge work to the main starport. And there's some older model cargo robots sitting there. And there's a customs official in a crisp white uniform approaching the landing pad on one of those bridges, holding a little notebook computer. You can see all this just as you're setting down. And uh, any anything you want to do before you open the hatch and sample the air of Chipotle? Hmm. Do you think I should bring my saxophone just in case? Uh... <clears throat> All right, why not? Uh, you never know when it might come in handy, you know. Might have to uh, mm. seduce someone or something like that. <laughs> the people of Chipotle have never seen a saxophone. They might fire on you. They might assume it's a oh, well, yeah. terrible weapon. Which I guess it could be. <laughs> <laughs> in the wrong hands, that could be a devastating weapon. All right. Well, you open the hatch, and after getting your saxophone, an ocean-smelling warm air blows in. It's warm, but not too hot. Very pleasant. Chipotle seems like a very beautiful world. 
From the edges of the landing pad, you can see a pod of very curious dolphins leaping up to check you out, and they chitter at you in what sounds like a friendly way. You, 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 you can't be certain, but you swear one of them smiling at you. You know, these dolphins, they're a lot more curious and friendly than they, they would be in a lot of other circumstances. Or at least they are curious. They're making themselves close to you. But the Chipotle uh, customs official is uh, a little bit bigger priority at the moment. And he says, welcome to Chipotle. Name and UPP, please. And you don't have to answer him, but if you, unless you're going to lie, <coughs> I'll assume you give him your legal IDs. Yes. Hickenbottom Ted. A-A-A-9-C-8. And Chris Jones here. G'day. Uh, 9-A-8-B-A-7. And he's entering everything into his little notebook computer. And what is the purpose of your visit? Well, blimey, we just got to deliver these uh, meds that we, we picked up on... Uh, oh, God, what was the name of that that horrible planet? Oh, the ice planet we just came from. What was the name of that place? Seems like... Was, I think it was Kagina. Oh, yeah. Or something like yeah. that. Kagina is the closest ice planet. You picked up medications on Kagina? That's right. Well, yeah. Because uh, we were... We heard that there was a, a need of these of medical supplies, so we thought we'd do the right thing. He looks like he didn't think something's right. Just, just something is like a what he knows of of Kagina. I mean, it's it's a close world, you know. It's backwards. People don't visit it, but it's not where people expect a cargo of pharmaceuticals to come from. But uh, I'm going to have to see what he's ju- going to judge something of your characters. I'd like you both to uh, uh, roll two dice. I want you to get higher than an eight. But if you either of you have a social class of nine or higher, I don't. I'm starting to worry. Be worried that you don't. No. No. All right. Well, don't roll anything. I mean, don't add anything. Just roll the dice and add them together, and hope, hopefully, one of you will impress him. Well, I got an eight. I well, eight or well, eight plus, I should say. So that's good. I only got a four. <sighs> he sighs and shakes his head and acts like he's irritated because he's got to open a new screen and do some more paperwork for this type of cargo. And, uh, however, just by being generally presentable, and perhaps he's a little lazy. You never know. Will you can, will you need connections with local port authorities to discharge your cargo? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I. we've got that all f- figured out. Well, very well. Shall the cargo robots begin unloading? Um, I don't know. Um, I, not right now. Um, we'll, go, we'll talk to the buyer and see um, what, how they want to handle it. Very well. Enjoy your stay in Chipotway. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh... All right, and you're you're free to you're free to go. He gets back to what he's doing. Of course, nowhere to go other than to walk over one of these long bridges to the starport itself. Of course, this is not Camarne Town where you're supposed to make the delivery. Yeah. Right, but, but I was hoping. But I we assume could you get... just wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, and I was assuming we'd get like a taxi or something, hmm. some kind of ground transportation, or we could take the thingy maybe. Well, you're definitely going to uh, need your ship because there's. You know, almost ten tons of cargo in there. 
not something you can take an air raft. But, mm. well, maybe we should um, either go uh, take the the raft just and talk to this uh, Divix Jones first, or try to take our ship there. I don't know if they're gonna let us leave. Well, on the last planet you were on, Kagina, you actually got a warning in the radio information on the way in that any air traffic off, off of their radio beam grid was illegal, but you did not get that here. Hmm. You know, there's a high law level, and there's probably military action going on somewhere on the planet, but there's not a wide-scale official fly ban at the moment. So it's not illegal for us to fly to this town? It is not. Oh. Unless it has not been <laughs> relayed to you and it's a secret, but no, it's uh, you feel a high degree of confidence that because you were so clearly communicated that on the last place you went to where it was the case, that since you were not communicated that here, you're, you're going to be okay. Well, I say we just fly there then. Yeah, I think uh, we ought to just head right there and that's where we have business. I don't have anything else to do in this, uh, on this planet, this Chipotle planet, or whatever Chipotle. it's called. <laughs> Chipotle, it's close. All right, well, I'm going to get back on the ship and close, uh, close her up and uh, fire up the atmos- atmo drives or whatever yeah, the hell it yeah. is. Yeah, uh, maneuver drives and... Yeah, but uh, once you're up in the air, there's a, the Starport radio again goes back on. Far Trader registration KK011X5A. What is your destination? Uh, sorry, what was uh, what was the K, KK? Camarne uh, Town is what they were saying. No, no KK. What was the registration? KK KK011X5A. I'm never going to remember that. Um, I, know. I, I, was, I wanted to do. I wanted to do the radio communications in the style of you know, like a pilot reading back to air traffic control. But now I don't remember my tail number, so I'm just going to shorthand it to Kilo Kilo. Um, uh, Kilo Kilo is heading towards. Uh, now I'm doing a southern accent instead of Australian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kilo Kilo, um, we're uh, going to um, this town here that begins with a K. whose name I can't remember, even though you just Com- said it. Kamane Town is interdicted. Travel there is out of the question. Oh, well, can there's I heavy go military some- activity in the area. Well, can I go somewhere close by? Uh, travel there is interdicted to the to the city itself is interdicted. And to go on a pleasure cruise, you do not go there. What's the nearest well, city? You're on Chipotle. There are two major cities. Well, you're no help at all, Mister. What do you guys want to go anyway? I mean, you may have to just break the law, is what it sounds like you're going to have to do. Well, I'm just used to always following the law. I don't know if I have it in me to go against regulations. Well, I think this guy can suck my interdiction. You forgot to turn off the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Suck my interdiction. Yes, well, definitely Kamarne is interdicted. He says military activity there. And uh, 
basically give you the go ahead and fly go take your tourist flight or your pleasure cruise but you're not landing there well then as far as he knows we're taking a pleasure cruise and I'm going to I'm going to the, to the interdicted place anyway alright and uh you know, it's a good, it's a flight of, uh, you know, even in an atmosphere, you can't go as fast, obviously, as you go uh, when you're out in the black. But you realize, uh, you also know enough to know that um, if you have to, flying very, very, very low, you know, can get you under a lot of planetary radar, especially in a planet with a tech level like this. So whatever comes to it, that's a, that's an option as you get closer. But... Um, eventually, according to your maps you can pull up and everything else, it's going to be about an hour away for you, and it's on the tip of a very long peninsula of a largish island in the northern hemisphere. And the Camarne town itself is sheltered on the land side by a high ridge of rock that separates it from the rest of the peninsula, and it doesn't have a starport per se. You know, there's going to be some landing facilities there, but it's not a huge place. And as you get close enough to even get within vague eyesight of it, you can see there's no towering skyscrapers or ecology walls or anything like that. But there are several good-sized blocky buildings and a few geodesic domes and surrounding hydroponic farms. However, even from many, many, many kilometers away, it is apparent to you that the town is entirely besieged. Because your ship's radio is like all static all of a sudden and weird shortwave noises because local comms are being jammed in the area. And you can even see now there's some ocean-going battle cruisers, like actual boat boats, you know, uh, in the water. And troop carriers off the shore. And there's signs that that high ridge over the city is occupied too because you can see occasional flashes from mortar shells. And the battle crews are, all, are also lobbing smaller shells into the city. And uh, the whole situation is completely sketchy and dangerous. Uh, both of you have been in situations like this before, though, in your past. More Ted than Chris, but there seems to be nothing for it but to fly through all of that and fly low. I'm, I, might have, I might start having flashbacks. This all brings yeah. back memories to me. Well, don't go doing another massacre. Oh, well, I'll try not to. But I can smell that smoke, and uh, I just—I'm just getting a weird feeling. Maybe you should uh, relax, you know, uh, play some saxophone. That's a good idea. Some relaxing music. What do you think, Chris? You're flying. You think of something I can't, other than to charge in boldly. Uh, charging low and fast. Low and fast. All right. Well, you get in low. You're not that high off the surface of the water at this point. And, and you can see, you know, there's actually like a lot of small assault crabs. It all, almost seems like the dolphins are like semi-participating in this because they're harassing a lot of the smaller craft. And people are, you can see on the decks of some of those big battle crews, they're actually <laughs> troopers shooting in the into the water at dolphins occasionally and perversely but you're definitely going to be in for a rocky bumpy fast flight and the battle cruisers certainly see you visually soon enough um, even though you were a little low to be on their other sensors but this is going to be hard so roll a 10 or higher but you get a two 
plus two bonus for your dexterity, and then take your pilot levels. And in addition to those, add a plus two for Ted being present to advise, since he has extensive combat background or is providing soothing uh, saxophone saxophone music. music, Right. Um, Okay, well, I rolled a six, uh, so plus six is twelve. Well, that's lucky, because it would not have been good to go down in the water here at this point or anything, but... Explosions rock the air all around you guys. I mean, it's a bumpy ride. You ship, you know, you 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 fling around in your seats, Star Trek style, once or twice on the way in, but you're able to keep control of the ship. You don't take any hits, and most of it's flak. You know, it's hard to target a fast-moving ship with a with a mortar or the kind of weapons that they are using against this town. Uh, but you make it through all that turmoil and in over the city, just shooting in. I mean, over the barely over the rooftops, right, of some of the bigger buildings in Camarne Town. And you can actually see down in the town and on some of the rooftops, there are people there cheering at you. And, like, one guy whips his shirt off and starts waving it around like a flag. People are cheering as you've come in. And uh, uh, there is uh, there are several landing pads there, and some of them are empty. You can almost just take your pick on, on which one you wanted to land in. We're being received as heroes, it seems like. They know we're bringing medical supplies, and uh, we're here to save the day. Yeah, uh, that's. I'm sure that's exactly what's happening. So, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so, uh, how about this landing pad right here? looks great to me. It does look great. It does look great. And, of course, anywhere in this city, you are, you know, in danger of being hit by a random... Uh, mortar or something that's being lobbed into the city, but they are, it is more or less random. It's not like an intense pitched battle happening at the moment, but it's a long, slow period of demoralizing artillery fire. You know, they drop on the city for days at a time, you know, probably to prevent people from sleeping and to cause misery and confusion before an all-out attack. You've seen this before. But anyway, as you set down, this crowd coalesces around the Achilles here. Everyone's cheering, and when you get off the ship, you're met with just enthusiastic greetings. You're like mob. People run up to you and like start patting you on the back and trying to hug you, and they're shaking your hands, and there's this barely functioning cargo robot there. That they're, one guy's actually <laughs> doing some wire work on, even at the moment, trying to get it ready to unload your ship presumably and in the midst of all this the crowd parts and this strange apparatus is revealed it floats a few inches off the ground it almost looks like an upright coffin and they're like little waldos with mechanical hands like appendages attached to it and the whole thing's transparent but something's inside it and as you get you get closer to it or it gets closer to you you realize it's a dolphin inside this thing and there's a really tall man with an afro walking beside him. And as it gets closer, the little mechanical hands of uh, the case that this dolphin is floating around in uh, begin to move, almost like they're doing sign language. And then the, the big guy with the afro says, You've picked a bad time to visit Camarne Town, my friend says. What brings you here? We are to meet with Divix Jones... And I was told that we would know what he looked like because uh, he can't walk, and I, I presume that is the the dolphin. The man with the afro nods and says, When I speak from now on, I'll be translating for him. I will be the voice of Divix Jones. 
Very well. Uh, I do have a password if you need it. That was my next question, says the man with the afro while looking at Devix Jones' sign language. Okay. Now, let me see here. I'm on the wrong page in my notebook. Um, where the heck did I put that? <laughs> Even having hands does not always allow us to access quick information, says Divic Jones. Yeah. Well, I just don't... I, I think it had something to do with a... Um, Oh, a sphinx of black quartz. Judge my vow. I hope I got that right. You did. It is a pangram in the Anglic tongue, says Divic Jones through the Afro interpreter. But uh, <clears throat> he says, you mentioned that I could not walk. In a sense, you're right. This is my travel suit. I call it a tea suit. Uh, it's a humid environment on the inside. And it helps me feel more comfortable and to come out here and do business with my friends that I have and the good humans who live on this world. The people of Camarne Town are friends to the dolphins. There are several million of us here on Chipotle. We might We're not technically natives, but we might as well be. We were colonized here long, long ago during the rule of man, thousands of years ago. And there are several million of us here, as I say, but the hydroponic farms of the oligarchy or destroying our environment completely. And thousands of us are dying, getting sucked into vents, trapped in netting, suffering in other ways. We're sentient beings. For decades, we petitioned the government for rights of citizenship, and they continue to refuse us. So we were obliged to take matters into our own hands and force the issue. And so the good people of Camarne Town have assisted us and stood up for what's right, and now they suffer. So your shipment will enable our allies to fight the off-world Hessian mercenaries the government sent against us. Now we can penetrate their body armor with these rounds you've brought. And we now, can penetrate even some of their vehicles, which they occasionally send against us. Say what now about rounds? Yes, you've brought, I believe, some uh, assault rifles and 20-millimeter high-explosive rounds. That was the arrangement that I made with my good friend on Rylanor. Um... So, uh, about that, um, <clears throat> we, were, uh, we were sort of under the impression that this was uh, medicine. Well, it's hard to read the facial expressions of a dolphin, but uh, he does make one. And there's a mild wave of discomfort that is going through the crowd now as people murmur to each other and, and make WTF faces to each other. Have you not looked into the cargo that you're carrying? Says Divic Jones through his interpreter. Uh, your friend on uh, Rylanor uh, expressly told us not to do that. Well, I don't know what gave you the impression that it was medicine, but if it is medicine, I shall be greatly disappointed. Oh, so now we are helping out uh, the rebellion, it looks like. And we didn't even know it. Well, you certainly flew your way into Camarney Town with great courage, says Divix Jones through his interpreter. You're in the revolution now. Well, I guess we were helping even if we thought it was just medical supplies, but now we are... We are just like almost like fellow 
soldiers, I guess. That is a good way to look at it. Because, you know, if we can fight off these paid Hessians, it will be significant enough that the Imperial authorities will have to take notice. They usually don't get involved in planetary affairs, but they'll notice that if an interstellar mercenary company is defeated by us. and You and our friends on Rylanor have helped greatly, and it's my understanding you will be well paid. And while he's been talking, he's been kind of floating and having you follow him, and you're walking towards the ridge wall, landward boundary of the town, which has several bunkers built into it. And <clears throat> Divix, uh, before you left, if you want to stop them, go ahead, but the cargo robot they were putting together, uh, the crowd's got it going, and it's, it's going to start unloading the cargo and have other people take charge of it if you're ready for that. Um, I guess we ought to just... I mean, we're in too deep now. We're we're insurrectionists. So... That is true. We just better let them take their guns and ammunition. Well, in that case, I assume you did walk with him there. But he leads you into a, a, an underground... Basically, I say underground, but it's built into the side of this ridge that overlooks the city. It's a supply dump, obviously. And he hands you a... <clears throat> a ship's storage locker, like one you can carry, and he gestures. Divix himself doesn't hand it to you, but Afro does. And he opens it. And inside, you can see, lined up in nice little rows of thin uridium. It is two million credits. Feel free to count it, but I assure you, it's all there, says Divix. Wow. Look at that. That's, I've got to say, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, I think it would take too long to count it anyways. I guess we ought to just take their word on it. Well, no sooner do you say that than from outside, <clears throat> there's a sudden, there's the sound of really loud and sudden air traffic screaming over the city, like, like jets flying low, you know, and there's a huge explosion that just rocks you guys. I mean, you can feel it in your feet. It's probably a couple blocks away. But it's another attack from above, Divix says. You'd best get back to your ship. And, uh, but this ship's locker is heavy that they gave you. I mean, the easiest way to carry it is for each of you to grab a handle, you know, and carry it between you with the two million credits. But uh, the guys around Divix Jones spring into a flurry of action, you know, and they run back out, and the whole plays outside it seems to have erupted into chaos at the moment and uh <clears throat> you can again hear screeching over overflies and uh explosions throughout the city and uh god your your ship is probably a prime target so i would definitely follow his advice and i don't know that chapawe has a lot more to offer as a tourist destination now that you've been paid yeah look hey date oh, so i think we should get right out of here Ted's kind of in a trance like uh, flashback mode right now I think <laughs> he's got this like you know he's he's back in the Varger uh, pacifications yeah yeah well there were, there were times like this especially in urban fighting which a lot of you know soldiers will tell you it's the worst kind but if you do go outside, the first thing you see is this big armored gravitic troop carrier that's just setting down on the plaza you came through. 
And your, I mean, your ship's on the other side of it. There's about a dozen armored mercenaries firing at fleeing civilians outside. And these guys are in, like, full, you know, combat armor, you know, head to toe. And you guys are going to have to basically go around, you know, it, try to avoid them, get closer, get back to the Achilles heel. Uh, but uh, it's, it's going to be a bad situation. You, you have the, a premonition you're not going to get through this without a fight. We're surrounded but, uh, by Fargers. <laughs> get down. Ted, step out of it. Snap out of it, Ted. We gotta, we gotta get low, get cover, hide. Yeah, Ted, you guys want you, you there, Ted? We gotta, we gotta hide on the ship. Hide on the ship, Ted. <laughs> hide on the ship. Okay. Okay. Meanwhile, people are screaming and running and. While you guys are uh, talking, two of the Hessians take notice of you and move to fire on you. And because of the crowded conditions of the city, they're already at short range. They have automatic rifles, like I said, and combat armor. They move to fire on you. And uh, lacking any other strong initiative roles, I'm going to say that if your dexterity is higher than theirs, you can you can go first. I have a... But, but theirs is eight. I have a ten. Oh, that's good. So I'm going to let you go first. And then what about you, also Ryan? Ten. All right. Well, that's good. So because you're slightly more dexterous than them in their clunky battle armor, you can see that they're intent. They've, one of them's pointed at you. They've both raised their rifles. They're both stepping in. And I'll let you guys do what you have to do. Die! I'm not going to tell you all the cumulative modifiers because I looked them up beforehand, but due to range and their armor and your weapons and everything else, you're attacking them with a total modifier of minus three. There are some pluses in there, but it all works out to be a minus three. Well, that would make my roll a four. Well, that is not good. It's going to miss. Uh, flies past and hits an innocent person in the crowd. No, it doesn't. It turns up some tarmac next to their boot. And how about Chris? With the minus three, six. That is too bad, because otherwise it would have hit. So what we interpret that as is it's hit all right. It just doesn't penetrate the body armor. You know, it either glances off or is stuck inside of it. And they fire back. One of them misses wildly. And I mean seriously wildly, because it's a snake eyes. And my God, the other one gets three. So, well, even with his plus two which he has against you. Uh, he only gets a five, which is not good enough to hit you. Now, again, you guys are at short range from each other. If you were on, like, a little piece of notebook paper, you'd be about five little lines, five little bands of paper, you know, away from away from each other. And, uh, of course, there's plenty of cover around to take. There's alleys to duck down. It's really a matter whether you want to fight them or flee them. Um... Well, I want to take some cover, if I can, and, and fire back. Okay, there is a rubbish bin nearby. You can jump behind and take some cover. What are you doing, Christopher? Uh, he's going to take another shot. He wants to just GTFO, though. Yeah, t- he, he didn't have the quite the military background that Ted has, although you have seen some action. The Merchant Marine is mostly merchant. Yeah, um, but <clears throat> he sees Ted getting into cover, and he's like, all right. Well, all right. Yeah, so you're going to take another shot. Go ahead. You still got that minus three, but 
Unless yeah. you want to run right into them at close range, you know, this is what the modifier is going to be. Yeah, that's going to be uh, a three. A three, though. No, no. Well, that minus three makes a big difference on a on a two d six spread. But uh, now, from cover, go ahead and take another shot, uh, Ted. And these these Hessians just look like wicked guys. There's a certain way you can design your body armor to look like an obnoxious badass, and they have done that exact design. This mercenary company. Um, but I, it looks from like from the look on your face that you're not happy. No, I got the same thing. Dialogue. I got a four. Oh no! Well, he fires back at you. Now you're undercover this time. He's got a much worse modifier to hit you, and he gets a seven. So it actually hits part of the you know the the rubbish bin you're hiding, and you can hear it clung right on the inches from your your face, and uh, but it doesn't hit you. And meanwhile, when he fires back at you, however. He's going to hit you, uh, Christopher, only by one. But, um, okay, so that's, that was a lucky damage roll. Normally I give you these two even three hits for the three dice, but because this is the first blood in the combat, you have to apply it all to one. So seven total. Has some low rolls in there, which is nice. And any of your first three stats, your physical stats. And, of course, if one of them gets down to zero, you're unconscious. If two of them gets down, you're seriously wounded. If three of them gets down, you're dead. Which is not a terrible little mechanic. I haven't seen that in any other game. But, um, And I don't know if any other edition of Traveler does that, because I have never played any other edition of Traveler. And as, I, as we talked about in our first Traveler episode, there are about 37 billion uh, versions. However, right now, this, this firefight is somewhat inconclusive for you guys, and in fact, now it's become even dangerous as you're tagged uh, with one of these Hessians' automatic rifles. Uh, but you can immediately respond. What would you do, Christopher? Uh, run to the ship and to try to get a bigger gun. Yeah. Well, that's great. You've got to get to the ship first, and of course, they're in between you, so I'm assuming you're going to go around, go down an alley, get there however you can as fast as you can, right? Or you could charge directly at them and give them another shot at you, but it might surprise them as you <laughs> bulldoze past them. Yeah, I'm just going to run through them. Okay, you run right at them. Now, they're, they're going to have time to get another shot in as you rush towards them. Uh, I was going to give them some we, cover. <clears throat> uh, well, go awesome. for it. Okay. I think they're still going to shoot at him, but it's a, a good idea to give him some cover. Uh, I think that that's creative, creative, and it probably use probably be worth another minus one for them when they do shoot at him. Okay. Well, I rolled a ten. If you were to, so I got a. Hey, seven. there you go. Okay, you're, you're definitely going to hit one of them. He applies all that, and you already can guess that their physical stats are not as high as yours. They are well armored, but that doesn't matter at this point because there's no soak. He didn't go all the way down, but that hits one of them hard enough that he stumbles. So really only one of them is going to be able to fire at Christopher as he's running towards him. And even that guy, he's slightly distracted now, so I'm giving him a penalty. And with the penalties, he only has a four. So Christopher, you kind of bull past him. And when you... Of course, you're also running past this... There's a dozen other troopers, you know, around. Those two guys were just the ones firing at you. So it's inevitable people are going to see you and fire at you as you come charging through. But you can see on the other side of this that uh, the robots already unloaded that ship and the people of Camarney Town, they're all opening up boxes and handing out weapons and ammo and they're putting it to immediate use. 
against these Hessians. But once you get past them, you're almost right in the vicinity of your ship itself, where there are dozens of Hessians all getting ready to fire on these guys. And that's where we'll end your turn. I assume you'll rush over to grab a weapon. And these guys are like already like loading them up and tossing them out to people. You know, you know, guys who aren't very good at shooting or loading and handing it. It's like the Alamo, but the only defenses really are the very cargo boxes that you've brought in. You know, they're setting it up the best they can. And meanwhile, of course, this is not the only bit of fighting in the entire city. You can hear, um, you know, rifles being fired and explosions going off all over the place. Now, Ted, you find yourself on the other side of all this, separated from your your friend. What are you doing? What do our communicators that we have look like? Well, you know what? I didn't really imagine what they look like, but every time, uh, you know, my my, there's not like a picture of them that I've ever seen, but they're probably. <laughs> Uh, like little handheld, you know, something. Okay. The game was written in the late 70s. So whatever the, a guy in the late 70s would imagine a handheld space communicator would look like. Oh, my, the comlink. I forgot. I've turned it off. Well, yeah, I just, I, uh, he's going to, uh, I was picturing him, you know, like kind of talking into this, like those radio things that they're like World War Two people uh, and he's like <laughs> like a phone on a backpack yeah. <laughs> yeah saying this is captain hickenbottom requesting air support air support now oh boy <laughs> well luckily if you're that bad off you can hear plenty of there's plenty of air traffic and explosions and uh that vicious high-pitched sound that the planes make when they do their runs over the city and then toppling rubble and everything else. But, Chris, you're starting to get worried. Uh, you can't. You don't have a direct line of sight now, but you knew something wasn't right with Ted. This is the first time his PTSD has really come to the fore in a situation like this. And, by the way, I should point out, we're recording this on the 4th of July, and I think we had all kind of hoped that we would be able to hear in the background, like, a ton of fireworks to accentuate this, but but, but yeah, we don't. because it's a Monday. Early in the evening. And it's, yeah, it's early, and most of people probably set off their fireworks during the weekend, I think. Well, well you never know. Going off, but, like, it's my mic's not picking them up. Yeah, that's good. I guess under normal circumstances, that would be good. But, uh, anyway, you're worried that Ted might be freaking out back there alone behind the, behind the dumpster that he's hiding behind. And, of course, you've got, you're now part of a, essentially, a small battle, you know, you could detach yourself from it and uh i will say that uh there is one thing i've just decided chris that you can call ted to wake him <laughs> to wake him up from his <clears throat> his trance it's a certain I word can... oh okay well what is that word well i was hoping you could guess oh i have to guess well, you've known each other for so long, though. Think, think back. Search your feelings. It's a word. This is in a slow motion. You yeah. were going to say. The battle is happening. Oh, yeah, I know what he means. The battle is happening all around you, of course. This is in slow motion, though, because we're seeing on Chris's face. He's wondering what to do. It's a word, and so, it's a word that you promised you were going to say. Oh, okay. A, in a time of duress, an appropriate... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, uh, I was sitting here, like, trying to think to myself, what would that be, what would that be, what would that be, what would that be? And I'm like, the first thing that came to my mind was Miranda. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Miranda. Miranda. 
<laughs> yeah. Ted, snap out of it, you fucking cunt. Oh, 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 oh my. I don't like crass talk now. I don't like that language. But oh, my God. Oh, we're in a hell of a predicament. Yeah, the C word just knifes through the air. It just knifes through the battle, you know, and it snaps you, snaps you out of it. So I know we're not all, like, mentally imagining this in the same way, but when you, like, peer out from behind that rubbish bin, I mean, there's a, a, a mercenary lander in front of you. There's troops. Most of these guys in front of you now, Ted, have turned, though, and they're firing at the barricades that have been set up around your ship where, you know, the, the cargo is being unloaded or is unloaded. So a lot of them have their backs to you, and they're not really firing directly at you at the moment. That one guy's dragged off his friend. The big threat is that, you know, there's being there's body armor penetrating rounds being handed out to the guys that these mercenaries have been bullying for the last six months. So um, I'm not going to say they're completely unaware of you, Ted, but you've got a little bit of freedom of movement. And meanwhile, I'm not going to role-play every shot and every detail during this small battle. I think we can be comfortable with mild narration. Uh, there's a random chance Chris might get hit, which I'm going to determine in a minute. But for right now, Chris, unless you're doing something completely otherwise, I'm going to assume that you're firing at troopers, you know, helping people out, dragging wounded people behind barricades, doing the type of thing that people do in fights. And <laughs> luckily for you, a bullet barely misses you. And I was gonna—I was actually had a pretty good damn chance to get hit. There's only like a five plus you were gonna get hit, and I just rolled—I just rolled a five, uh, four. So um, you're not gonna get hit yet. But every time, every round you guys are out there, there's enough bullets flying around now that nobody has to be shooting directly at you on purpose for you to get shot. Um, but I'm gonna assume that you're acting heroically. Unless you yes, I think otherwise. that's a fair assumption. I—I—I I mean, he's seen battle some but he you know his inclination is to fight for a little bit until Ted gets out from behind the dumpster and then just get the hell out of there and I think it's a good idea and I think you should have the satisfaction of firing at least once this light assault gun with this 20 millimeter high explosive round so if you would like to go ahead and do that with a bonus of plus four instead of minus three against one of these uh, Hessians please do please do so then I shall yeah just don't oh add your God. pistol skill. Yeah. No? I rolled a one and a two. Oh, well. it's It packs a big wallop. and uh, But but rest assured, with enough firing, you'll hit somebody. You know, Sometimes it's hard to tell in a situation like this. There's smoke drifting everywhere and people screaming. And it's, it's never as organized as it seems like it should be. Ted, what are you doing? You rushing your way in? or? Um, that big group of... Uh Baddies, uh... Yeah. I'm going to, uh... Take out my... I would look at... Yeah. BZ grenade. And, um... Yeah. I actually forgot about that until this very minute, and I'm relieved. Because it's going to probably keep you alive. Yeah, I'm going to... Say... Viva Chipotle! And I'm going <laughs> to... Toss it at them. All right. And, uh... Yeah... Now I'm gonna still. You need to still make it land in the right place. So roll and get a, a, a six or higher because this is easier than an eight. All right. So you're trying to basically anywhere within their crowd. You're trying to make it land. All right. I'm gonna shake my dice extra long because this is a important roll. Okay. I got a seven. Okay. Five well, and that's, two. That's 
That's good because boom, the BZ grenade goes off. And uh, within within 30 or 40 seconds, most of these guys are stumbling and gagging, even with their body armor. They don't have, like, filter masks or respirators or anything like that. And they're starting to slow down. One of them's falling. Of course, several of them do turn, and in their last few minutes before stumbling, fire in your direction. But neither one of them hits you. This is a bad day for, for shooting. And eventually, there's some of them are fully asleep. Some of them are gagging and coughing and rolling around, but... This situation right here is definitely resolved for the second. You can run through them and get back to to Chris. The people behind the barricades are all cheering when they see this happen. And, of course, they're taking full advantage of it. <laughs> you know, they rush out and, like, shoot these guys point blank. And, uh, and of course, uh, I guess you won't really get a chance to say goodbye again to Divix Jones. But if you want to get the hell off Chipotle... Now it looks like might be your best chance because you never know when another one of those gravitic troop carriers is going to come in. Punch it, Chris. Yeah, so we got the the money loaded up and everything. Yeah, you guys were... Well, oh, we forgot. No. <laughs> we forgot the money. Well, really the best way to carry that was two people, but I'm just going to assume that uh, you, know, you ran up there with it. It was a big fucking ship's locker. Kind of forgot to narrate what we, we were doing with that, or who we were drag, you know, who was dragging it. But we're just going to assume that it got dragged one way or the other over here. Well, and I think that adrenaline uh, left you. It, 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 mm. Well, and it's not unreasonable. It's probably not unreasonable to assume that uh, we could have persuaded a couple people to drag it for us since we've just brought them all, <laughs> a bunch of fucking guns. Right, right. You're, you're pretty big heroes at Chipotle right now. But having momentarily got a, a, a brief respite from the attack of the Hessians, uh, you're back on the Achilles heel. And, uh, Chris, you were just asked to punch it. Do you want to punch it? I shall punch it. Okay, well, you're back on the Achilles heel, and you fire it up and take off. But there are large-caliber guns on those ocean-going vessels now just filling the air, and... Um, beeps go off all over your ship the second you rise up that it knows you're being your ship's computer knows you're being targeted and uh you take off out of there and a shell screams past your ship with this huge red tracer on it and so does another one and after that those are the only two direct shots they're going to get in because uh I assume you're going to get the hell out of there, but go and make a piloting roll. You need eight or higher. Take a plus two bonus for your dexterity and take whatever pilot levels you've got. And uh, this is just to avoid random flack at this point. Uh, Eleven. Eleven. Okay, that's great. That's what you want. High is good. And you managed to get through it and... I assume you're going to gun it up into space itself. But once you get up there, the second the second you get out, even a little bit before you leave the atmosphere, your sensors are going alive because that mercenary cruiser you saw in orbit earlier, the great big sphere with stubby legs, um, it probably already knows, you know, through communications with the surface that you're on the way out, and it begins to pursue you from a distance of about 40,000 kilometers. Um, now, Ted, you're aware that that mercenary cruise is probably under orders not to leave the system. Um, but the best thing for you is to hightail it out of there. However, if you were to fly to that gas giant, you know, one astronomical unit away, it's going to chase you. It's going to send out fires. It's going to do something. There's only one way to immediately get out of danger, 
and it's to put yourself potentially in somewhat more danger is uh, to uh, use the last of the dregs of your fuel to make a emergency jump while you're in the gravity well, which is also dangerous. So your choice is here. A dangerous jump that might not get you to your location and you will definitely arrive out of fuel entirely, or a chase, a space chase out to that gas giant and then try to jump more safely. What do you feel safer doing? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Flip a coin. That sounds uh, both equally dangerous to me. Well, <clears throat> if we do the jump, there's a chance we just get where we're going and a chance that yes, we that's don't. True. Yes. If we go get fuel, we are definitely going to get chased. You're definitely going to get shot at by at least two fighters. Probably not this big ship, but it will send auxiliary craft out against you. That much you could be certain of. So, so my vote would be, fuck it, let's go. All right. Now you hit that jump. You, go you where? Smash that jump button. Well, you got to go back to. Uh, well, you can't actually get all the way back to Rylanor because you can't jump that far. But uh, there's Gitosi. There's an asteroid belt that you could jump there, and then go to Rylanor. There's a place called Belizo, and both of those places you could get fuel. You could also go back the way you came. You know, through the chain of you go back to Kagena, and then you know. But uh, well, there's there's multiple go ways. Back there, that's <laughs> nasty place. No, we don't have to go to the planet. Just obviously scoop the. Sun, well, yeah, so. yeah, scoop this. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it almost doesn't matter in your uh, in your hurry. You got about three places you could jump to that will eventually get you to Rylanor, but you'll have to jump again to get to Rylanor. Well, easier to easier to determine when you're looking at the hex map of the Spinward Marches, of course. Yeah, I'm just going to go back to Kagena. Oh, it's system. All right, All right. go back to the K. So go ahead and make that. Uh, uh, navigation role there and uh, if you guys do everything right then I'm going to roll for a miss jump and see if you miss jump you're just rolling to see if you plot the course okay the miss jump could also be- occur because of the you're inside a gravity well which has an effect on it so go ahead and do your best you need 8 or higher add your navigation levels okay Yeah, and add 2 for your intelligence Snake eyes. No, well, that's not good. Okay, I don't think we can get all the way up to eight with uh, we get close to a six, but uh, no. In fact, in fact, uh, I actually rolled the worst possible thing for your miss jump anyway. And uh, now the good news is you are completely away from the planet Chipotway and uh, all the problem. The bad news is you're not you're not in Kagina and. Uh, you are not that far away because your ship can only jump three parsecs. Also, you can still see Deneb, great blue star of Deneb, so you know you're in the general vicinity. But it uh, it takes you a while to realize that you have actually jumped to a place called Heroni, which is nearby, and there's no gas giant in that system. There's nowhere to scoop for fuel. But luckily, your scanners indicate that there's a fairly high heat signature on the surface of the world. And there's a, a smuggler's base there. I'm not going to roleplay all this out because, you know, it take too long. 
but there's a smuggler's base there, a group called the Black Lighters, and they'll sell you fuel for 10,000 credits, which is almost half again the going rate, but you've got a lot of money, and I'm assuming you're not going to quibble about it. And uh, after a deal with the Black Lighters, who Chris has heard of, you know, the merchants do have some occasional interactions with smugglers. You knew them by reputation. And then you can jump back to Rylanor, and, and we'll assume that you take your time with the role and do it well outside of any gravity wells around any any planets and that after two weeks <laughs> you uh i think it's been what about five weeks or something since you left rylanor but that's the nature of space travel and you go you get back to rylanor you go through all the docking procedures and uh when you return to the rylanor spaceport or starport you uh you get out of your ship and waiting for you are men in blue and one of them approaches you and he says we've been waiting for you unfortunately your patron has been arrested we're authorized to let you keep the entire proceeds of the sale on one condition break her out of Rylanor prison do you accept? fuck it why not? (laughs) okay I'm down okay Okay. Well, of course, that is a completely different adventure, and that's where we're going to leave our bold travelers, Christopher and Ted, for now, until someday, maybe, we return to the the world of classic traveler. Yeah, I definitely want to uh, have that adventure. When Ted uh, came out onto this uh, spaceport, he was was, uh, looking a little different after, you know, a couple weeks, and after his... uh, time on uh, that I know it's not Chipotle but Chip, right. whatever it's called uh, Chipotle you see he's wearing a, like a red bandana around his head and <laughs> he's, he's got this uh, that saxophone like stra- strapped around him you know, <laughs> like a weapon kind of I should make him shirtless mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm going to go that far <laughs> like that shirtless saxophone player from the Lost Boys. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, that's it. That's our game, and we'll be back next time with a completely different game. Hey, everybody! If you like our podcast, don't forget to leave us a good rating and/or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, or wherever you're able. Subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter at Goonies underscore world, and check out our website at GooniesWorldPodcast.com. Email us at GooniesWorldPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.